What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. Welcome back to episode this one, number five of this show, Bearded B-Roll, with Michael and Kyle. And today we are going to be talking about the Scream franchise. So the reason we're talking about Scream today is because uh, Kyle had seen some Scream 5 concept trailers, and that got us thinking. All right. So in the trailer, well, it wasn't that. It was, I read, I, I started with an article that I found that was talking about the people that, I guess there's going to be two directors for it, but they're trying to make a fifth Scream movie. And then it came with the trailer, which at first I took as genuine because I wasn't paying that much attention to it, which showed a bunch of dead characters being live again. And I kind of liked the idea of it. So I showed it to you and then you didn't like the idea of it and then pointed out how it wasn't real. Except it's kind of real because they're kind of still planning on making it sort of maybe. True. I mean, I did see on IMDb that there's one scheduled for January 14th of 2022, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Well, in this time of COVID, movies just don't happen. I'm still waiting for A Quiet Place Part 2, which apparently is going to come out on May 28th. I never watched that one, so maybe we should do that one at some point. It was actually pretty cool. I saw it in theaters, and it was like a social experiment. Everybody in the theater was like fucking silent the entire time. Like nobody, yeah, nobody made a sound because the whole concept of the movie is like, be quiet. And it was weird because nobody even like whispered to each other during the movie. You could like hear a pin drop the whole time. I don't think I could have handled that. I mean, it was, it was a cool movie. It was pretty stressful. It was a, it was a fun concept and it was just not a quiet person. So I don't think I could handle being quiet in a theater. I don't, it's not even like anybody tried to be quiet. You just wanted to be quiet while you were watching it. I don't know. I'm, I am a quiet movie listener. I said that wrong, but I, but I mean like uh, in in the pretense that it's like completely silent, I would start to freak out and then end up making noise. I mean, the movie's not like a silent film, but I mean, it does have a lot of like super quiet parts in it. Um, All right, back to Scream. And just, I want to give a huge spoiler alert for this one because part of the fun of Scream is watching it for the first time. So if you have not watched it yet or any of them, go out and do that, but don't listen to anything we're saying right now. (laughs) Is 20... 30, how old is it now? 1996, 2000. It's 25 years old. If you haven't seen it, you know what the movie's about. I don't think there's a way to spoil something that old. I mean, plenty of people still haven't seen movies that came out 50 years ago. It doesn't mean you're not spoiling it. I just want to throw it out there because some people might have never watched it. But if a fifth one comes out, they might go, oh, fuck, I have to watch the other four right now. And I don't want to ruin that for anybody. All right. So that being said... The reason I didn't like the Scream 5 concept trailers was because it was just a whole bunch of stuff edited together from other movies. Um, I found a whole bunch of them on the internet, like somebody made one and then I everybody still, else. I think it was well done the way they did that even still, because I've seen fan-made trailers that are like that, and you they're clearly just like clipped together. This one, it seemed like they kind of made them at least match in like tone and like I mean, the it overall was... color scheme and stuff. No, it, it was, but at the same time... There were characters that were brought back who were dead or supposed to be dead that just kind of threw off the whole concept of it for me. And we could talk about that in a little more detail. I'm just going to say, like, I don't think it would be that unplausible for them to bring back uh, Stu the way that they did in that trailer. Like, I feel like that'd be realistic. It's stupid, but I feel like they would do that. There's no way they There's would been have... dumber ways that they've brought characters back in horror movies. There's no way Stu would have been dead with us seeing this much of Sydney's life 
and her not having like testified at his trial? Are you telling me he was just locked up and incarcerated and it never got mentioned? Well, to again? be fair, by like what, see the fourth one or whatever, she's in constant hiding in the woods. So, I mean, no, that's her. Maybe that's why. That's her in the third one. And at the end of the movie. I said by the fourth one. So the third one would be before the fourth one. And therefore, by the fourth one, she'd be hiding. At the end of Scream 3, and they seemingly locked up the whole story. Like Scream 4 didn't need it to actually happen because the first three were a trilogy. At the end of that movie, she leaves her front door unlocked and open a little bit. She wouldn't do that if she was still afraid of Stu. I feel like the fourth one, while not necessary at all, it was fine for the continuing the concept of the theme of the movies. Yeah, no, it took it to a new place and it, it brought it to the sort of social media age of things, which wasn't really present in the first Scream movies. In the first Scream movies, having a cell phone on you was enough to make you a suspect because not enough people had them. I'm going to do this to you now. So why don't you explain the the theme behind the Scream movies? Not not the murder, but like the overall theme, like the Oh, like the basic the concept plot. of yeah. Okay, so we start or like the up- idea behind them, like as not not like the plots, not like that, but like the overall of all the Scream movies, like the concept, you know, like that it's this meta film base that's making fun of horror movies while being a really solid horror movie. Yeah, no, Scream was uh very influential in a lot of ways and it really changed kind of the the way horror movies were presented to us Uh, a lot of imitations came after scream but scream is really the firstborn child of truly like self-referential horror movies Uh, it started the meta horror movie which is both a blessing and a curse and it even got more meta than that because it created a movie within the movie based on the first movie called stab and then made fun of everybody in those movies during the movies yeah, they made fun of the movies, the stab movies, the same way people watching the Scream movies would make fun of the Scream movies. So they were aware of all the maybe things they did wrong or the reasons people might jump on the Scream franchise. I think one of my favorite times that they made fun of like the tropes was when Sydney was like making fun of how some blonde bimbo would run up the stairs to get away from the killer. And then in that scene, she ran up the stairs to get away from the killer. Yeah, no, it, like, it's shortly after. It's really smart that way. I mean, let's be honest, it came off as kind of real, you know, like there wasn't really too much without like outside of the realm of possibility in Scream when you look Is at the this plot. pre-Columbine? Oh, yeah. I, I still like have a wonder like how this movie like stayed during that time without getting banned. Columbine was... It was in that general time frame, like 96, 97. No, Columbine was 90... Yeah, 97 or 98, right? Yeah, and Scream was like 96? Yeah, Scream was 96. Columbine was actually 1999, so it didn't happen until like three years after oh, Scream. Wow. All right, never mind then. I'm surprised. Somehow I thought this movie, like, I thought Scream came out sometime either during or right after. All right. But let's go real quick, just zoom through the basic plot of Scream. We have, just for the sake of reference, we have Sydney Prescott, who's kind of the main protagonist throughout all of the Scream movies. Her mom was murdered, and she's kind of like living with that guilt. And it's like, it's only been like a year, right? Yeah, her mother was was murdered shortly before the first yeah, film begins. Well, she's dating a guy named Billy. He has a friend named Stu. There's also a guy named Randy, who's the local video store clerk who knows absolutely everything about movies. And Stu's girlfriend. Played by Rose McGowan, but I can't remember the character's name at all. Casey, wasn't it? No, Casey was um, Drew Barrymore's character. Basically, it turns into a murder mystery where the ghost face killer is going around murdering people and taunting Sydney. She's getting a lot of uh, disturbing phone calls. 
Well, they don't really. Di- they taunt everybody. It's not like just directed at her. It's just then she seems like she's just the next chosen victim, and she escapes. So like the whole time you think that that's until you learn the real reason. You think that she's just she's just one of the people that they've been going for, and they're just gunning down whatever high school class this is at that time. Because mm-hmm. it's like peer murders. Let's see, she had also testified against a man named Cotton Weary, who she believed was the person who murdered her mother, and he was recently released from prison and exonerated. So Sydney has a feud with a local reporter named Gail Weathers, who had always been a very big proponent of Cotton Weary's innocence. So she has a little bit of resentment for Sydney for putting him behind bars in the first place. But that also leaves the question of who killed Sydney's mother. And eventually, we go through the whole plot of the movie, and we find out that her boyfriend, Billy, was actually the person responsible for murdering her mother because he felt that Sydney's mother was a horror who was sleeping with Billy's father and made his mother leave. Yes. Billy also continues to date Sydney throughout this and convince her of his innocence right up until the point where he reveals that he is actually the murderer after having taken her virginity, which also brings us back to that basic rule of horror films that you can't die if you're a virgin, which we've determined is only applicable to women. <laughs> you gotta follow the rules. And that's probably the best part of the first Scream movie, at least in my opinion. Is when they set up the rules? Yeah, when Randy explains the horror movie rules at a party. Number one was no drugs or alcohol, right? No drugs or alcohol. And he's saying that to a room full of people drinking beer. No sex. Never say I'll be right back. I think that's it. The lovable geek doesn't die. I think he said that because he was, that was his character. I don't there's think... like certain, I think it was no. There's like exceptions for that one. That one's not like a guarantee, but like there was like an exception or something rule for that. But I think the big three were the drugs and alcohol, the sex, and the. In never the sequel, say, everything goes. Yeah, in the sequel, a lot of the rules from the first one can just freely be abandoned because. It's Wait, only... is it the trilogy? Is it the trilogy when everybody's in danger? All right. Well, another spoiler alert. Um, Randy gets killed in the second Scream movie. But he has a cameo in the third Scream movie in a video that he had recorded. Uh, his mother gives it to Sydney, and he basically just says, if you're listening to this, I'm probably dead. Um, if the killings have started again, you should know, and this is very important, you are in a trilogy. And in a trilogy, all bets are off. Everybody can die, even you. Which, it was the third movie, so it was being very self-referential in that sense. It was kind of telling the audience what to expect. So you didn't have that same, oh, okay, Sydney's going to be all right because she survived the last two feeling when you were going through it there was a very real possibility that she could also die she almost dies in almost all of them i think well in the second one she gets hurt can we also talk about randy after everybody else leaves the party do you remember when he's on the couch super drunk watching uh the end of halloween yeah and he's screaming look behind you look behind you and like the whole time the killer's actually walking behind him so we're screaming wasn't he also like wasn't the name of the person he was yelling at also like randy or, or no it was jamie because it was um, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. And he is played by Jamie Kennedy. So it was like even more onto that with that part. There's a lot of layers. Is there a Randy in the Halloween franchise? Not from what I remember. Oh, but Billy, Billy Loomis is Sydney's boyfriend. And Dr. Loomis is Michael Myers' psychiatrist in Halloween. Wes Craven also do? No, John Carpenter directed Halloween. Okay. I don't know why I was confused there. Wes Craven did Nightmare on Elm Street. They don't really make references to that one, though, do they? No, because that one doesn't really follow the traditional rules, because it's more supernatural. Not unless... slasher? Yeah, yeah, they have different ways that they operate. I mean, I think some of the main tenants are the same, but it's not, like, totally apples to apples. Okay, so... Let's talk about Dewey. Dewey Cox. Was that his last name? 
No. Pretty sure Dewey Cox is, um, that's, a, that's that movie, uh, Walk Hard. Oh, well, that's not relevant. <laughs> I don't know why. That was just the name. You said Dewey, I thought Dewey Cox, and then it took me a minute to be like, no, that's not his name. No, Dewey, the bumbling, like, sheriff's sheriff, deputy. Sheriff Duty. Deputy, Deputy Dewey. Yeah, he played, um, he was Rose McGowan's older brother, which I still can't remember her name. If we knew his last name, that might help us out. But um, Deputy Dewey, his last name is Dewey. His first name is Deputy. He was interesting too, as like a, not necessarily a meta device, but in terms of storytelling, because he was the comedic hero, right? He was like a bumbling, goofy kind of guy. And through that, they made you actually care about his character. And at the same time, he tries to be very brave. So it's a character that's oddly easy to respect and laugh at. So for one, Rose McGowan's name is Tatum. Oh god, that's why I forgot it. That's a stupid name. For two, David Arquette's name is literally just Deputy Dewey. He doesn't have a last they don't have last names. Okay. No. (laughs) Non-main characters don't have last names, even though Deputy Dewey is. I think he was supposed to be killed off at some point or something, but he was like it was one of those things where like he gotta live because he tested positively or something in like screenings. No, he actually lives all the way through the entire. No, franchise. I know, but I think originally the intent was to kill him. I thought I read somewhere once. Don't you remember the scene in Scream Two where you think he's getting killed? He gets almost killed a lot of times. No, no, there's a scene in um, Scream Two when they're backstage at the. Yeah, and they're in the sound room, and he gets like yeah. the shit stabbed out of him. Yeah, because he's trying to like yell at her through the soundproof glass. He also gets stabbed in the back in Scream One. He gets stabbed in every one. Scream 1, he got stabbed, and that's what gave him like the neurological damage, which I think he just totally did not have a limp in the fourth one, by the way. He's in the fourth one? Yeah, as Sheriff Dewey, I guess. Does he does he die in the fourth one? He does not die in the fourth one. All right. He's like married to Gail Weathers, but they're going through a rough patch or something. All right, so let's... All right, here, we'll just do this real quick. Like, a basic breakdown of all the movies. The first one is... The boyfriend getting revenge on the girl whose mom ruined, his, ruined family. his family. The second one is his mother getting revenge on her for murdering her son. With Mickey, the deranged film student. With Mickey, the deranged film student, who they don't even announce the mom until like the last 10 minutes of the movie anyway. No, and, and Sydney saw her earlier, but didn't recognize her because Billy's mother had apparently been really fat before. Cotton Weary becomes a hero because out of nowhere he saves her, but only if she does an interview with Diane Sawyer. Correct. <laughs> um, the third one is Sydney's long lost stepbrother, or not stepbrother, half brother, mm-hmm. from when her mom was cheating on her dad with the film director guy. No, no, I don't think she was cheating on the father at that point. I think that was before they met. That one was kind of weird because there was that whole thing about like, hey, Sydney's mom used to be this big whore that like banged everybody in Hollywood. And Princess Leia actually had a small part as like a desk clerk at a county office or something. And John Carpenter plays the dad or the, well, his, the director, right? John Carpenter. I don't know. That's Lance Hendrickson. That's Lance Lance Hendricks. All right. Never mind. I don't know why I thought it was the director. Is it Hendricks or Hendrickson? Hendrickson. Hendrickson. Anyway, yeah, it's her half brother. She wasn't cheating on his dad. I don't think they were supposed to. I don't be actually together. understand his motive. He's just mad because his dad doesn't love him. 
No, there. Well, no, I think and he, he did, had no mom. I think he didn't know who his dad was. So basically, what happened was Sydney's mother had been trying to make it big as an actress in Hollywood early in her life. And when she went to a big studio executive party, she thought she was going to meet people and get into some adventures. And Lance Henriksen ended up taking advantage of her and turning her into like the main focal point of some kind of weird old man orgy or something. Okay. And I think Sydney's half brother was conceived during that, but she gave the baby up because. Obviously, that's a terrible memory for her, and she didn't want to have a kid at that point in her life. But his main motivation against Sydney was that she had the life he believed was entitled to him. So he resented her for basically having the mother when he didn't. Lance Henriksen, that guy, he's the one that produced all the stab movies too, right? Which is how... Yeah, they were there shooting, because the guy who played the half-brother was supposed to be the director of Stab 3 Scott or Foley. Stab... Scott Foley, and his name was Roman Oh, Roman, Ritter. yeah. Yeah, Roman. Yeah, he was directing the new Stab movie, right? So it's like the whole thing was he just started killing off his own cast, which was another one of those ones where you're like, this isn't going to make you any money. Yeah, he's running around like, who's destroying my movie? And it was him. This is a one person one, though, right? Like he's he's by himself. It's like the first time the Scream movies only had one killer. Yeah, no, they make you think, I, I think at some point that there were two people, but then he just comes out and slits the other person's throat or something. But yeah, no, this was the Sydney first was, one. I remember Sydney, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she was super meta in this one on her own. Because like mean? in the end, in the end, she's like, she's like dictating what's going to happen when she like hides from him and she's fighting her brother off at the end. Oh, wasn't she using the voice changer? She was using, yeah, she was using a voice changer and stuff. And this is the one where like the voice changer was real dumb, right? Because this, this, is it... Is it this one or the second one where they have the voice? No, it's this one where the voice changer like straight up can be the voice of anybody they want because he uses it to kill um, Cotton Weary and his wife. Oh, yeah. No, tricking that. them into thinking that. No, you're right. So it's and like the world's greatest voice changer. It's no longer just like a sketchy little voice thing. It's like, that was when this franchise dipped into science fiction. All right. That, and that then the fourth screen. Exist. The fourth screen is the modern beta where it's all social media and live streaming. And apparently you said 2011, which is weird because I didn't even think that was that big back then, like live streaming and stuff. I I guess it was H2O came out during and that was that was pretty. Wasn't Halloween H2O like 99 or something? Uh, I don't know, but that that was all about live streaming. But still, I didn't think. No, no, that was Halloween Resurrection. Yeah, that's the one where Buster Rhyme starts doing Kung Fu or something at the end. Yeah, but even still, I didn't think like the Internet age was that big, like at least. I don't know. I didn't I didn't realize it was that. I thought it was more recent than 2011 for Scream 4. But in that one, it's her niece who Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. Yeah. Who who just wants fame and she saw the glory that her aunt got from it and she figured that she could play the victim if she created the scenario herself to set herself up in that shoes. In those that's She did have a partner in this one though. That was another yeah. partner kill. Corey McCulkin or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, yeah. It was Home Alone's little brother. <laughs> Rory, um, right? Is it Rory Culkin? Yeah, Rory. Rory. I don't know where I got Corey, but Corey and Rory sound the same. So, All right. So, yeah. So, that's the basic idea behind them all. It's it's always someone related to Sydney. So, actually, in a way, it's a lot more like Halloween if you think about it. It's just people trying to kill people in their family. Actually, like, yeah. Emma Sydney. Roberts becomes Michael Myers in the fourth one. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. She kills her mom. She kills yeah, she she kills her whole family and then she sets up the the more spoilers, I guess. Sets up her love interest slash the guy she's just leading along to get 
like to, to, to be the, the killer. Right? Yeah, yeah, she's re- she's resetting up the plot from the first movie in this one, but she's directing everything, and they're live streaming all their kills. And actually, it it proved another interesting horror point because um, it was still it wasn't as meta, I don't think, as some of the other ones, but it was trying to be. It was and a lot more direct. It, it definitely was, and there was a scene where the killer comes out to one of the AV club guys, and I think he'd already stabbed him or knocked him down, and the guy says, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! You can't kill me. I'm gay." And then he gets killed anyway. <laughs> so I don't Is know. Is that if we a can... horror movie trope? I feel like it's not. I feel like it's not because for the longest time, as far as ho- as far as horror movies went, any sort of minority was first on the list. Pretty much. I mean, not that even, a lot of... even gay characters were like, I've never seen a movie where they stopped being. I think it was because this is a time when a lot more of like LGBT community stuff was in the forefront, maybe. Yeah, maybe the... Because I think they were on... I think the kids in this movie were a lot like... um, They were kind of being meta in the way where like they were talking about everything that was like offensive and stuff and like how they were super defensive of everything or whatever. I can't think of the right way to phrase that. They were woke. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Sure. I mean, it actually raises an interesting question there. If we're going to bring up the LGBT rights issue in the context of a gay person being killed after having announced they're gay, then that actually is a step toward equality. Is it or is it a hate crime? No, because he was going to kill him before he knew he was gay. <laughs> yes, but then we found out that they were friends, so his friends should have known that. So, well, I guess it depends on who was wearing the ghost face mask at the time. There was a TV show that did exactly the same thing where this guy punched this other guy in the face, and then somebody came out and was like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He's gay. And he's like, well, he wasn't gay till after I hit him. And they're like, what do you mean? You just punched him and now he's gay? And he's like, no, I, I just didn't know. What was that? <laughs> punched the gay into him. Why, why do I remember that? I don't know, because I've never seen that. I would try to look it up, but I feel like that, that sounds, might be impossible. That sounds classic, though. I, it might have been It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but probably not. I watched that show for a little while before it got taken off Netflix, but... It's know. on Hulu now. Other shows that were on Netflix were the Scream TV series, which took a way different approach to these than they were hard. They were very loosely connected, I would say. I watched two seasons of it and remember nothing except a girl being killed in a pool. So I didn't I liked them. It's just like I didn't like the killer mask because they they stepped away from the ghost face mask. They still call it a ghost face mask, but it was more resembling like a person face that was just like whited out, like closer, like a Michael Myers mask than it was. The scream mask and it was super shiny right yeah in the third season they brought it back brought back the original mask but i didn't i didn't watch much of that one because it was like completely different from the first two seasons anyway and i think it had a whole new cast and stuff and that one was faced a lot more like in like a black community and i think there was like racist aspects to it where the first ones was just a dude killing a bunch of teenagers and i think it was like it was like a serial killer well i don't know who it ended up being but they thought it was a serial killer that was like an urban legend slash real serial killer in their town that had come back from the dead or some shit like that, right? I I, I like instantly right. blocked it out. So there's there's that. There's four movies and a TV series, and now there's talks of a fifth movie coming. Which I think I think actually, if a fifth movie did come out, it could be really good because there's a whole new new atmosphere for them to play with as far as social commentary in america right now or in the world right now but the tiktok killer no like i mean yeah there's a lot more social media people are even more glued to their phones than they were in 2011 but i mean like no just like the political climate that we live in right now like the killer goes around and just offs people who have cars with terrible gas mileage yeah it could be something like that they could be like super liberal or they could even go like the other way be like super conservative 
Because at this point, we live in a time where everything's so extreme, it's unnecessary. Well, what do you think of... Let's talk about Scream 5 for a second, if it's actually going to exist. But what do you think, based on the plot of the other ones, what story would actually make you happy? Because I personally don't think that there's anywhere else for them to take it. I think Scream 4 I think it would have to be almost a whole reboot. Like, I don't think they could still play on Sydney. Or if so, she's just, like, got to be loosely, loosely in it, and she's not the main target anymore. I don't think they could. I don't think they could stick to to that script. I did like the idea though, and I know you hate it, and it's impossible because the idea of like a four hundred pound TV crushing someone's skull and them getting up and walking away from it. I think it would be cool to bring back one of the old killers. My problem from the first one, not the new. I didn't like any of the other ones. How much do you think a TV weighs, man? There's no way that weighs four hundred pounds. I know. I'm just saying, but it was like an old CRT, and it was like a pretty large one yeah, for the but- time. So it was. It was a good 50 or 60 pound TV she dropped on his head. Well, let's clarify. And in, they don't break. In several of the Scream 5 concept trailers we came across, um, they featured scenes showing Matthew Lillard, who played Stu, one of the killers in the original Scream movie, sitting his in the back of crushed. <laughs> sitting in the back of a police car with a whole bunch of really gnarly scars all over his face, implying that maybe he didn't die in the first one and he's still out there somewhere. And I just have to call immediate bullshit on that. Not because he couldn't survive it, but because there's no way through the other Scream movies and talking about Sydney's life in so much great detail, we wouldn't have heard that Stu was still alive and that she had testified at his trial. Like, it's just implausible to ignore that whole thing. I don't know. I think they could come up with a way. I mean, they could always come up with a way to advance a series by sort of rewriting history, but at the same time, it immediately sends up red flags to the viewers, right? You know when you're watching something that's bullshit. So this one, though, they could probably do like a copycat then, like a full copycat. Okay, but what would the motivation be? Because if they just do social media, they're still kind of retreading the fourth one. Someone that's just using uh, the concept behind the original to get revenge on, I don't know, their class bullies or something. I don't know. I think maybe one say, of the... Maybe say, maybe say it's, it's like a, a, a gay kid in high school. He's the new killer because he's been bullied his whole life. And so he's taken inspiration living in the same town obviously from these other killers to get revenge while preaching about like equal rights and i don't know like being woke in this time and political agendas and stuff i don't know i'm not a movie director but still no they could, something like that i feel like definitely keeping it timely in terms of the social temperature i'm just makes saying sense. like the social climate has changed so much at this point and the way that those movies played on social climate, that there's a whole lot more now that they can use to make another movie. Yeah, but my problem with it is like, and this is my same problem with Scream 4. Scream 1, 2, and 3 all kind of built on a larger story, right? You have Scream 1 where Billy uh, is mad all about, centered around her mom. It all, yeah, mom. I mean, throughout the entire series, it's centered around her mom. But I mean, they built on it. Like Billy and Stu was just a moron who wanted to be there to kill someone. But um, Billy had a genuine, in her, in his mind, motive to kill Sydney and get revenge because her mother had ruined his family. And then later we have Billy's mother, who's basically out for revenge because Sydney murdered her son. Or, you know, I mean, it was self-defense, but killed her son. And again, we have another idiot like Stu. Mickey's just like a crazed film student that thinks he's going to be on 60 Minutes. Well, Billy's dad's still alive, right? So there's potential. That's a great question. Is Billy's dad? The rest of his family. Oh, yeah, because they show Billy's dad. Billy's dad was actually surprisingly normal. They showed him in, um, he went to pick Billy up from the police station in Scream 1, and he was like a pretty chill, well adjusted dude. 
Um, but I mean, there's no reason for him to not have a psychotic break. But I mean, then in the third one, we have Sydney's, you know, that she digs further into her mother's past and we get this backstory about the brother. Um, so I liked how all of those built on the initial layer. Like they actually went right back to the first one and the third one. And they show that her half-brother Roman had actually been the one who organized Billy and Stu in the first place and told them what to do and was directly... Oh, right. They did tie them all together kind of that way. Yeah. And I then the... like that idea though. I thought that was stupid. That didn't make sense to me. I mean, it didn't make sense, but there wasn't enough contradictory stuff in the stories for me to call bullshit on it. You know what I mean? There was never anything glaringly rewritten. It was like, yeah, they changed it, but there, there's nothing that doesn't make it plausible. Yeah, I mean, Billy and Stu, actually, I think they allude to like, someone helping them somewhere in the first one, don't they? They might. I mean, I feel like I feel like it wasn't conceived as just making one movie. Because, I mean, it's Wes Craven. Like, he knows that horror movies get sequels. Well, especially his. So I feel like there was definitely, maybe not all the scripts written at the same time, but definitely a sort of planning tree going on behind the scenes. But then, you know... You oh, I think the idea that, like, of, with how he wants to build it, where it's playing off, like, current times, I don't think you could make a script for all of them that in advance. Well, no, I mean, a lot of that's just, you know, writing of the time, like, dialogue. You don't have to have dialogue to make a plot outline. Because, I mean, there maybe wasn't... Sydney becomes the killer in this one. Full psychotic break. That was I mean, I know they, they tried to play that in the third one. Like mm-hmm. they tried to make it out to be that way, but like, because weren't they trying to like frame it like she was doing it because she was trying to get revenge on the movie because the cops were looking for her the whole time and she was missing? No, she was definitely a person of interest. I mean, when I went to see Scream Three, I was already dead set on it. I'm like, Cotton Weary's the fucking killer this time. He finally fucking broke. But then the movie opens the and he's like, minutes. yeah, he's like the first person that gets killed. I'm like, oh shit, now I don't know where to go. But um. That was the fun thing about Roman being the killer. He wasn't really anybody that was on your radar. Like he would have had no motive in terms of ruining his own film for like why he would be doing these things. You know, actually, even funnier is um, you don't play, but I I did for a while. Dead by Daylight actually has their own separate ghost face with his own separate backstory. I saw the trailer for that. He was buying like rope and knives at a hardware store. Yeah, he's um he uses a cell phone a lot. Like one of the uh well not one but like your mori is um he he kills the person and then like slits their throat pulls their head up and takes a selfie with it but what was the backstory did they reveal um he's like a photographer that was like going nuts and like killing people something like that i don't i don't remember the full backstory i mean i had to read it it's not like something that you play or you like learn it's just you you hear about it i always loved the ghost face mask i think they that came out before the movies too right I think it might have come out before the movies. I think but, the I costume's mean, kind of always been around because it's kind of just like this. That was something that was interesting. It was like a really basic costume, like something anybody could pick up at a Halloween store. Well, you know the story of the Michael Myers mask, right? Well, yeah, I do. But I mean, no, but I mean, like still, like Michael Myers is like a very specific, like that costume setup is like a very specific casting. Anybody can walk into a party store and pick up a black robe and like a Halloween mask like that. I was just going to say that the Michael Myers mask was actually a William Shatner mask painted white. I know what it is. I know, but I figured I might say it for anybody listening that didn't. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I don't uh, want somebody to listen and be like, fuck, what was it? What was it? What was it? Everybody knows. Not everybody knows. Everybody knows. So, I don't know. What's your top moment from, or maybe not one, but your top moments from the Scream franchise? Uh, it's, it's definitely the scene where Billy and Stu come out because the whole time I always had like the lines mixed up apparently. And I had like a false memory that way with it. 
And now I don't remember exactly what my false memory was, but it revolved around the part when Stu said, you went too deep. I'm feeling woozy, man. But I, I, for the longest time, remembered that differently. And it's not how it is. Also, I also remembered Billy when um, Gail comes in with the gun in that scene, looking at her and going, safety's on, bitch. Because like later she says it in reverse, but I always thought that he set that up. But he doesn't say that. He just says it works better if the safety's off. You remember him saying safety off or safety's on, bitch? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> but there, yeah, there was something about Stu in that. Like that scene is just awesome in general, especially because Sydney's then turned the tides on them and she's on the phone and she's telling them that she called the police. And then Stu has like a moment of realization. He's like, did you really call the cops? And she's like, yeah. And then he starts to cry and he's like, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. I like, love I don't that. Know. That was probably like the realest part while still being like this obscure, like horror situation is like Stu is breaking down like he's just a follower and you can realize it then yeah and that was a great moment too i mean like he's thinking about what his parents would think and it was just it was a very real way to approach it billy's like a fucking total nut job but i used to fool one psycho oh and then there's that whole line of uh don't blame the movies movies don't make psychos movies make psychos more creative it's true i mean this movie definitely opened the door that was the cool thing about the finale in scream one you which part i mean just the fact that for most of the movie, you're like, it's fucking Billy. Like, Billy's definitely the killer. And they keep showing reasons why Billy's not the killer. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But but look at his eyes. Look at his fucking eyes. He's got the raisin eyes. He's definitely a fucking him. killer. The raisin eyes. Yo. No, no, we're not on that yet. We're not on that yet. <laughs> I was just like, why? <laughs> um, okay, let's, we'll leave that for next time. But so, you know, you're watching it the whole time. Like, Billy's definitely the fucking killer. And then Billy gets attacked right after sleeping with Sydney and he, you know, turns around, he's covered in blood and he like collapses as Ghostface stands behind him. And you're like, fuck, it's not Billy. Who the fuck is it? And it was just a cool moment. You know, it just didn't really occur to people that there would be two killers. You're trying to figure out who Ghostface is the whole time and not realizing that there are ghost faces. So it was just kind of like a really, it was a simple twist, but one that I think was super unexpected. I think it was because they put it right in your face for the whole movie and then they took it away and then immediately were like, actually, it's not even that it's a twist. It's like a twist in the sense that they gave it to you and then they took it away and then they were like, just kidding. Yeah, like rewatching it, you know, you see Billy and Stu hanging all over each other being creepy and weird as fuck the whole time. And it's like fairly obvious, but yeah, but they just have like a regular bromance. Like that's pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, so what was your favorite part? My favorite part of the Scream series is, is out of all of the movies, probably, is the actual opening scene of the very first Scream movie with uh, Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker. And she gets that first call from Ghostface. And we really don't know what to expect. And at first, it's just kind of like a creepy guy. She thinks it's somebody from her high school. He's talking to her about her day, talking to her about horror movies. And she's making some popcorn on the stove. Then it starts to get a little weird. You know, the killer starts to get uncomfortable uh, with her. She feels awkward. And her boyfriend, Steve, is like outside strapped to the patio, like duct taped to a chair. And Well, she doesn't find that out until like part of the way into that. After he's like doing the interview and like asking her about her favorite movies and then like quizzing her on on trivia about them. No, no, but the main trivia takes place. I guess after that, she finds him. Because she sees him and he says, if you answer this question right, Steve will live. I think that one also, that, that scene's also good because it sets it up in a way where like, Nobody thinks that she's going to die because they don't ever kill like big a like the first kills are always like 
you know, like new actresses or like people that aren't well known. And then it's Drew Barrymore. Yeah, Drew Barrymore is arguably the most famous person in this entire movie. And that's something they kept with with the screams. They always had a, a tendency to like off like a big actress in the first scene. Oh yeah, the second um, one. Buffy so where they even killed. yeah, and then they make fun of it uh, in the fourth one where they have it where it's like like they're just watching oh yeah like, tra- like the 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 trailers for the different stab movies yeah. and you're like oh crap she died and then it's like no 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 that was just the movie you're like oh okay. And then it just keeps going until it finally gets to like the real cast. Yeah, the fourth one, like it, you weren't you weren't even sure when it really started because they already did four false starts, and I, I can't remember everybody, but Anna Paquin is the killer in one of them, I think. Kristen Bell gets killed in a different one. Who else was in those? Oh, I don't remember. I just know there was like it was like a bunch of like of big celebrities at the time. I was that was actually probably my favorite part of the fourth one, which I didn't overall like, but yeah, I mean that plot was very very loose my favorite part of the opening of uh the first movie isn't so much the ghost scene the ghost face killer talking it isn't so much the popcorn going crazy on the stove it isn't steve getting gutted in a chair it's after she runs away from the house and her parents are like just pulling up to the house the killer is stabbing her in the yard and she's like reaching out for her parents to their car as it's pulling in and they just don't see her. They're just having like a nice night. They came back from you know having dinner or watching a movie and their daughter's being murdered in the yard, like less than a hundred yards away from them. And yeah. they get in the house and the mother sees a bunch of smoke. So she takes the popcorn off the stove and then she notices the phone is off the hook and she picks up the phone. She can hear her daughter like weakly crying on it. And she's like, Casey. And it was just kind of this gut check moment. Like it was, there was just something very real about that you could like feel what they were feeling then she's freaking out she opens the door to look for the daughter and she's just like hanging from a tree with her entire stomach gutted and that was the opening scene like it was just brutal one of the things that i was watching about that today actually was like breaking down the fact that it was they were definitely both there for that scene like there's no way that one guy did that and it was something that you probably should have like caught on to at that point because it was in two places well the ones on the yeah like a lot of the time and then like it's it's implied that he like gets knocked out at the in the one scene where he's like he finds she's outside he's inside and he's trying to get through the window and she like hits him with the phone and then immediately after that he comes out of the bushes and tackles her yeah no there there were a lot of i mean but at the same time you don't know what you're looking for and part of the first scene is just the spectacle of it all so you're not but i mean rewatching it it's like yeah that's not really something yeah. one person would have been able to do so it's definitely a movie worth rewatching Who's your who's your least favorite character in the Scream series? Um, it has to be like sorry, least favorite main character. Main character? It has to be her brother Roman. I hated that. Well, I hated him and I hated Mickey. I kind of like Mickey. He was he like the closest. He he was like a evil Randy, sort of. Okay, I guess. I feel like that's why Randy got killed in that one is because he and and Mickey had like that. Uh, like rivalry measuring contest yeah in the middle of class that one day like this town ain't big enough for the both of us kind of a film geek thing yeah i mean i think my least favorite character is gail weathers really i don't know i just found her to be maybe it's because i don't she really like her moments where she like redeems herself a bunch though no she does i mean but she has, maybe like, she has was... this thing where she like goes off makes everybody dislike her and then like she'll redeem it or like save everybody she's done it more than once where she was like the hero right yeah, actually, in the first one and the second one, I don't really remember. I don't remember her really being in the third one very much, but I, I feel like she probably was. Well, I mean, Cotton was the main hero in the second one, but like 
Yeah, I mean, she did still did it because her and Dewey were had their whole moment. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it was her clothes too. Really? Because she's just super weird. There was a scene. Bright yellow suits with like. Yeah, it was some kind of like neon green pantsuit or like something in the first one that just was very off-putting. And I think I associated her with that outfit for like the entire series. I think the other thing with these movies is like they really love to do the red herring thing to where it's like too much. And then it's always like an obvious character that you you probably didn't think it was going to be. I mean, I kind of like the overdoing the red herring thing because when they do it and you think everybody's a suspect, then nobody becomes a suspect. So it's kind of like they're... That's true. I mean, it worked really good in the third one when everybody thought it was Sydney. Yeah, no, they definitely played that up. Because, I mean, Roman was different from the other killers because his focus was less on, like, visceral horror and more on making her think she was losing her shit. Like that part when um, the body... She's on the set in, like, a replica of the house she grew up in. So it's kind of like we're back in the first movie. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. the body bag gets up and it's like the mother chasing her and she jumps out the window or something. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Like Roman was yeah, definitely... Like supernatural without actually adding anything supernatural to it. And it made sense because if Roman's a film director, he's going to be highly theatrical. So it wasn't like outside of the realm of possibility. I'm pretty sure as I'm looking this up, Scream 5 is definitely happening at some point. There's like no info about, about it. Though. Really? Where are you? I looked on IMDb and just saw like the bare minimum like release date. Well, for one, you know when IMDb has it, it's coming. It just doesn't mean it's going to come anytime soon. Because remember, Boondock Saints was on IMDb for like 10 years before it actually got made. That's true. Still never watched it. It's not good. I didn't like that one at all. I didn't like the first one. I know. It was like the Wish.com version of a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> that's That's for a whole nother time. So I'm looking at... I know, they changed the picture from Scream 5 from like when I looked it up the other day. It's a totally different picture. According to this, Neff Candle's definitely back. Courtney Cox is definitely back. All right, so uh, let's round it out with favorite entry of the Scream franchise. The first one. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be the first one. I don't know if anybody likes any of the sequels like particularly well. I kind of like 2. Better than... 2's okay. 2 was fun. I didn't like the end of 2. It worked, but I didn't like it. All right, I hated the fact that they killed Randy in two. That pissed me off. I think it would have been better if they didn't add her mom and it was just a psycho copycat. Who you mean instead of like having... A psycho film student, yeah. Like two interconnected. Yeah. All right, so that's our takeaway. If you haven't watched Scream, watch Scream 1. And if you have a lot of extra time on your hands, watch all the sequels. <laughs> all right, bye and stuff. All right, don't forget to look for us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll. And look for us anywhere you can find podcasts. Feel free to email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com. What did I forget? Nothing. That's good.